Hello, we're here on another episode of Connect Globally and Innovate, the Global Mindset. And today we're um, speaking to Natalie Minchens, who's coming to us from Chicago, but she has quite um, an interesting um, experience. So thanks for joining today, Natalie. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Okay, great. So I, um, I'm really glad that we are taking time to do this because I think that uh, this global mindset topic and all the work that you're doing with ethnic events and also I think your experiences so far are just really interesting that, you know, I think it'll be nice to hear more about. I think even with the, um, within the pandemic, just the different things that we've been doing with ethnic events. And that's another thing should introduce you first. We are uh, working together and you are also a recent college grad, right? Yeah, I just graduated from Lake Forest College uh, this May and I double majored in marketing and French. Wow, okay, so did you know French before? No, I didn't. I, I had previously learned Mandarin Chinese and Spanish and during my first semester at college, I took a introductory French course and I just enjoyed it a lot. So I just kept learning. Wow, okay, that's amazing. So that's Mandarin Chinese, I heard is a very difficult language to learn. Is it both the spoken and the written that you you worked on or? Actually, before? well, in my opinion, uh, Mandarin Chinese is very easy in terms of the grammar. Okay because there's basically no such thing as like the past tense and future tense. Okay. Yeah, so like you don't have to conjugate anything or learn any of those conjugations. The only difficult part of Mandarin is just, of course, the writing because it's memorizing characters. Okay. Wow, that's interesting uh, that there's only the present tense. I wonder, does that have something to do with the culture too? I'm not or sure. like a way they look at things. This is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That makes it easier because I remember even I learned Spanish that there's definitely that past and future and even the uh, formal and informal versions of those too. So there's a right. lot, lot to consider. So that's a good context. So you learned uh, and and um, now we're not. You're not using your French now in your day to day work. I'm assuming. <laughs> Not with me. No, I'm not. But I try to make an effort to keep it up. By okay. Uh, sometimes I try to find like intermediate reading books, just so I oh. can keep up. Like that doesn't really help with my uh, oral French, but mm -hmm. it lets me keep the vocabulary. Oh, that's good. And also movies. Have you ever tried? Do you ever watch movies, French movies or shows? Yeah, there would be times where I would put on um, shows that I know well or movies that I know well already and just put them into French. I've heard of a lot oh. of people who actually like learn languages just by watching TV shows. That is a really good idea. So watching something that they know and then turning the subtitles or the language. To right. the, oh, that is very interesting. I remember in my high school, Spanish class when we were at advanced level, then we got to watch soap operas, telenovelas. So I think that actually was kind of a treat, but it also helped 
uh, to learn that even more because this, the pace was so fast in the TV show, right? In soap opera. So, and then I think just that interest in like understanding what's going on helped me, you know, move along too. So that's really interesting that you are, you are also maintaining it that way. And definitely you're also using your marketing um, every day. Marketing is such a broad subject, right? It is. And I found that I've learned so much more by working in marketing than I did really studying it. That is, you know, that's usually how it is. That foundation is there and it's dormant waiting to be used. But I'm sure that all of that has been um, a great resource that you reflect on because marketing has, well, you, as you're doing social media, and then there's a marketing campaign and the planning, right? All of those different aspects. Are you, um, are you in like, you are, you do seem to be, by the way, an expert in the digital marketing aspects maybe I don't know do you feel that um you mean with uh in the creative side yeah I do think that yes are you more is that a natural talent or do you agree on that yeah I my first experience was that was in high school I took a art class and then okay I wasn't too good at the fine art aspect but during the (laughs) digital units I did do well in those and that was basically when I learned how to do it and then since then I even in college I tried to get involved in organizations where I would do their social media and create the graphics for it Um, yeah it's just something that comes naturally and I also just enjoy doing it yeah, you really are built to. So that takes like a little, that's a kind of an art and a science, right? So you have to know how to use the tools, but you also kind of see the vision of what, how to communicate that. Right, yeah. You have to message it, kind of. Yeah, and is it a video too, video graphics? Um, more like video editing. Okay. Um, I don't have much experience in graphics, but... Yeah, I used to, when I was young, I used to just create videos with my sister just for fun. We would shoot music videos with each other. And that's where I learned how to edit videos. Oh, okay. That's, that's really good. And do you still have them online somewhere or is it just that was a hobby? (laughs) No, those have been removed a long time ago. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good though to practice that. And then I, and since you've been in, uh, you were Chicago, so you came to Chicago for college or were you here before that too? I came here for college in 2017. And before that I was living in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. 2017. So in Hong Kong, and that's where, is that where you learned Mandarin Chinese? And, yeah. So and Spanish. Yeah, so everyone in school, like we had to take Mandarin as our second language apart from English. Mm-hmm. And then we were divided into like, so native speakers and then um, second language learners. Oh, native speakers and second language. So native speaker are those who were born there or something or? Uh, those who are born there and who, you know, like speak Mandarin at home. Oh, okay, the family are speaking. Okay, so which which category did you come under then? I was in the second language learner. Okay, okay, good. So then, did you learn it like from first grade on, or how how did you pick what 
grade did you start? Yeah, it was from first grade on until uh, sophomore year of high school. And then oh. from junior year, then I started taking Spanish. Oh, okay. So do you speak now Spanish too? Uh, I think I can get by in Spanish. Yeah. yeah, that is a good, that that's a popular language here. Um, right. Definitely in Chicago, it would come in handy. I think in our recent visit to Little Village, right, you could use that too in some places. Right, it I did. Think. When we visited um, Little Village, yeah, I had to like string some words that I knew together. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. When we at the restaurants and that candy store, right? Right, right. <laughs> That's, that's good. Yes, definitely. That has been helpful. That's, that is the language that I learned, too, but it's nice to be able to practice it. So you lived in, uh, were, you, were you born in Hong Kong or? No, so I was born in Kenya. Um, that's when my parents lived in Tanzania. So okay. they just decided to have me in Kenya because the hospital resources in Kenya were better. So they just drove oh. across the border. <laughs> Oh, so they're neighboring. Okay. Um, yeah, it's neighboring. And then uh, when I was three, then we moved from Tanzania to Qatar and then stayed there until I was uh, six or seven. And then we moved to Hong Kong. Wow. Okay. So what language is spoken in Qatar and Tanzania and Kenya? Do you know? Uh, yeah. No, Tanzania, <laughs> they speak, Tanzania and Kenya, they both speak Swahili. Swahili, yeah. yeah, and then in Qatar they speak Arabic. Oh, okay. So, did you pick up any of those languages too? Um, Quite young, right? If you went when you were one, yeah, first grade. Qatar, um, I did learn Arabic. I've forgotten it all now, but I did yeah. learn it. Um, yeah. Swahili, I'm not sure if I ever learned. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that was taught in my undergrad college. Swahili, but it's not a common language that everybody took, but it is taught. They have a lot of languages there, but um, that's interesting. And Arabic also, these have, do these languages, do you know if there are different alphabets too? Uh, so Swahili uses the English alphabet. Arabic um, has also like its own, is it called characters? Its own uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. So I think we may need to talk a couple more times because there's so many different cultures you just already uh, mentioned here and you then went to Hong Kong um, how old were you when you were in Hong Kong first time about seven okay and then you started school okay yeah so you have uh, I definitely you know think compared to most of the people you know that I've spoken to you definitely have um, many countries you know that you mentioned that you have first-hand experience so that must be a, a unique experience here, but I don't know I, in your experience if you think you've met a lot of other people like that. Mm -hmm. Also, maybe in your school, you, you, I think I heard you went to international school. Right, because Hong Kong is a very international city in, in and of itself. A lot of the people that you meet there are multicultural people. And especially because I went to the international school there. So that's where most, you know, foreign, foreign children go to school. So a lot of them are third culture kids. They have parents from elsewhere and are being raised in Hong Kong. 
that term third culture kid is interesting because I believe uh, I went and looked for that or based on my own journey too. And I came across that term, just learning about people that are born in different places or have multicultural experience. So that is, that's something, have you heard that term used often or people refer to them as that or refer to themselves as that in international schools? Yeah, that's a uh, pretty common term that we used. We used it to define anyone that's, parents are originally from elsewhere, but then they have a, mm -hmm. um, a new place that they start to call home. That's interesting. That, and, and that is like that third culture, is that kind of a blend of, of a couple of them at least then together? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, that is uh, nice and actually refreshing for me actually, to hear somebody say that with such ease and to you know me not explain it because actually uh, there's it's, it's not as common here to have that there are international schools but in maybe in more urban areas but that's definitely I've seen that um, in Hong Kong which is very international I think it's gone through a lot of changes too that it's by nature, as you said, a lot of people from all over there. And even uh, when you're in Hong Kong, you're closer to so many other Asian countries, right? Yeah, we're um, of course bordered with China. Uh, we're also just a few hours away from, you know, other major uh, countries like we have Thailand nearby, Philippines, Japan, Korea. Mm -hmm. That's nice. That's interesting. Whereas I believe, I mean, in the U.S., we have so many states nearby, but we definitely don't have as many countries just easily that we can travel to. Right. Um, such a big country here. It's often and there that would then give you access to experience even more cultures than. Exactly. Yeah, it was pretty common to just take a quick flight over to a nearby country during the holidays. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Just like in Europe, I've heard people say the same thing too. Yeah. Going, you know, even driving from from like in, for example, in Germany, being next to France, that you can drive from one side exactly. to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, that's and then experience different cultures, and that's 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 very interesting. I think we have that a little bit here by going near the states, you know, different states, and even there are different subcultures. Too. So what is that? How has that been here in Chicago? Have you been um, seeing a lot of different cultures still here? Or do you see a lot of differences in your experience? Yeah, it's like the more that I explore Chicago, the more that I realize how diverse it is. Because, um, of course, before when I was attending Lake Forest College, the only places in Chicago I'd visit was you know, downtown, like Michigan Avenue, go see the Bean. That was kind of the extent of my um, Chicago knowledge. But after, now that I've lived here for, in the city for about five months, now I can see like all how the different neighborhoods are divided and also how each of them has its own heritage and its own culture. That's very good point because you were in college in the suburbs, right? Almost that is a suburb, right? Where you went to college. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't know much about um, the diversity of Chicago. Only place we'd go is just downtown. 
And by the way, that is an experience that even people who live in Chicago have too, or the suburbs is not really knowing about all the different neighborhoods. So I think that that is, that is, uh, brings us to also maybe our, our connection and the work. And maybe that's why you're also drawn to that Nick events work too, because it's, um, what we're doing is trying to give people more of a way to journey through Chicago in the neighborhoods, because so many people have told me that they've, they know of these places. So for example, a Wrigleyville, going to the Cubs game, people may go from the suburbs and then go to that and then go back home, wherever they, whatever suburb or even whatever neighborhood they're from. And mm-hmm. so, but uh, Chicago is also known in the summer for having all these festivals. Right. So I don't know if you were experiencing that because this year has been different due to the pandemic. We haven't had all the festivals and, and um, parades and things that each of the neighborhoods opens up. So that's, that's a time that people will experience things that they usually don't. Where have you been so far? What neighborhoods? Um, I did see a few of those festivals going on this summer. Like um, a, few of the, a few of them were part of the Taste Chicago event. So like I attended the, um, the festival that was in Wicker Park, it was a street festival. Uh, I also attended one in Pilsen. That was uh, Tacos y Tamales. They were focusing on uh, food vendors within Pilsen. Um, Yeah, and I went to, I took my mom and sister to the Chinatown Street Festival also. So there are a few going on this summer. And in terms of neighborhoods I've visited so far, um, I've spent some time in Greektown, Pilsen, um, Uptown, of course, I live here now, um, a little bit of time in Wicker Park, and also Chinatown. Wow, and also Little Village. Little Village, yeah, I just went there for the first time last week. Yeah, okay, that's good. And and I have to say, I'm impressed with your ability to find these festivals too. How do you do that? Because that's actually, I, I'm, and I'm trying to understand more of your way of, of approaching this too, because you're kind of newer to Chicago mm-hmm. compared to most here. And then, um, and then also, I know you've been here since 2017 to college, but, but as you said, you were more in focus on the education and you were not right in Chicago. So you were finding this information yourself. And then is that more of your way of um, exploring or did somebody introduce you? Because that, that's kind of interesting. How is that something you're used to doing in other places? Yeah, I've um, just always been interested in exploring and going out to do stuff when I have free time. So for example, like on the weekend when I didn't have anything planned, I would simply just search, you know, things to do in Chicago this weekend. And some of those things would come up. Um, There would be street festivals. Um, It does take uh, digging a little deeper because sometimes the first results that come up are uh, larger scale events. For example, I often see like concerts that are listed there. But when you go on to... um, do a little bit more research, you'll see just a a few smaller festivals or smaller localized events that are coming up. 
Yeah, that is the thing that we I noticed is that when you when you're searching, sometimes unless we know what we're looking for, it's hard um, to find find these other you know hidden gems in Chicago, which hopefully will help people um, more to do. I think you've done a great job though already <laughs> touring these. I, I have to look up some of those festivals that you mentioned too. I don't think I've even heard of, of those. And and food is definitely a way that people in Chicago are exploring culture. It's definitely a foodie type of city, would you say? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the easiest ways to actually explore is you use food as the excuse. <laughs> At least yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah. So what kind of food do you like most or do you, do you have a favorite or one, like everything? Mm, one of my favorites is definitely Indian food. Um, even when I was in Hong Kong, I would often <laughs> go find Indian restaurants. Um, oh. Yeah, I also, honestly, most of my favorite food is within Asian cuisine. I really like Thai food also. Um Oh, okay. How does it compare here, uh, the the Indian food or Thai food here compared to in Hong Kong? Is it the same flavors? I wonder, is that is that different? Um, at least with the Thai food, I can tell that a lot of it here is very westernized. Uh, I okay. think I'm not a cook at all, but I, I can <laughs> notice that um, some of the ingredients they use here are lean away from the spiciness of um, actual Thai food. And then also like what I noticed with Chinese food is there's a lot of food here that is, you know, labeled Chinese food, which actually isn't Chinese at all and isn't served at all in China. Really? Like, and where do you find that here? In the Chinese restaurants or some other restaurants? Um, it's like the bigger chain restaurants, for example, um, Panda Express, Big Bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah. For example, like um, Orange Chicken. I noticed. That right. That's a popular one. Here. I was going to ask you about that. And people are always talking about Orange Chicken, but it's not a Chinese dish at all. They don't serve that in China. Interesting. I was exactly going to ask you about that one. <laughs> wow. Okay. So what, I mean, when you, if you see that, then do you think it looks like something else it just has a different name here? Um, the closest thing I would uh, call it is like sweet and sour. Okay. Yeah, sweet and sour chicken, but even that is a bit different. There's some definitely hybrids and uh, just different <laughs> local ones here. Uh, like I like Indo-Chinese a lot. I don't know if you've ever tried that Indian Chinese. Oh, I don't think I have. And and I think I wonder if in Hong Kong you have more. Definitely in India we have a lot of that. It's more of like Gobi Manchurian, which is a, a I mean um, cauliflower in a Chinese flavor. But it's so it's spicier than the traditional Chinese food here at least. I don't have the experience of having too much Chinese food. I have been to Hong Kong, but I don't compare it to there. I'm comparing more to Chinese food here. And we have a couple of them here. But usually I see a little section on the Indian restaurant menu sometimes with Indo-Chinese section. So check that out. <laughs> so that's definitely something I think more here. Maybe in India, they might say just write Chinese on the menu. But that's interesting because it, each of the places has their own flavor. 
of how they represent it to their um, community, right? Yeah, exactly. So now that, okay, now that you have been to so many places here, are there, I mean, what would you tell the Natalie, you know, that first came here, if you would tell her about Chicago or somebody that's first coming here? Because you probably had an impression in your mind before coming here. Yeah. And now something updated, right? Yeah, I would tell younger Natalie, like, um, experience downtown, but um, there's so much more to see. And also um, to try to find a source where you can see the different events and things happening around other neighborhoods in Chicago. So I think before I was relying on kind of like bigger websites or bigger mm -hmm. social media accounts that had kind of like paid promotions so that's where they would show those larger scale events but um if I had like a source or someone I was following that could show like oh there's this restaurant in Pilsen or this is happening in Logan Square in the surrounding neighborhoods that would have been really useful yeah, so like a guide of the different neighborhoods too. So are there 77 neighborhoods in Chicago and there are so many different cultures within these neighborhoods. And I know they're even changing now too that we have seen right in our visits too, but that's a really good idea. So hopefully, uh, I mean, it, and it's hard because Chicago is so big to have it all maybe in one place, but hopefully, hopefully we can start doing that a little bit so that people can find out such a, that many things are going on all the time. And as you said, Googling, it's hard to find everything, right? On one page. Exactly, yeah. It, it kind of gets drowned out by um, bigger events that are happening. Yeah, so the big festivals will definitely get attention. So um, yeah, Natalie, um, any, well, I know that we have many more topics to cover because we only touched on the surface here. Anything you want to add before we close this part of the conversation and then we can um, talk more in upcoming. Yeah, um, just that if anyone is interested in kind of finding those localized events or restaurants or experiences, we do have a website that curates these cultural experiences for you. So. Um, it's ethnic.events. Yeah, it's the website. It's www.ethnic.events. Um, also present on different social media channels. We have a Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. So you can hop on there and just see any kind of cultural experiences that are happening um, in the surrounding neighborhoods of the city. I'm really glad you mentioned that because uh, you have done amazing work, by the way, with each of these. And, and you need to check out the videos that Natalie posts. They're just so eye-catching and appealing. Even the photographs she takes, too. I have learned a lot. <laughs> I've learned a lot from Natalie. And it just takes, takes your breath away just looking at those. You feel like going to these events. And even as you can, we don't have time, you can kind of a little bit feel like you experienced it by watching those. So... I think that that's wonderful. And also I forgot to mention, you also did the American Explorer. Uh, you shared a little bit of some journeys, right? Through your visits, through the different neighborhoods and they're on the website too, right? Right. So there's the American Explorer journeys and also some blog posts, which 
talk about, um, uh, first of all, any like global topics that are going on, but also uh, experiences that we've had by going to the different neighborhoods. Awesome. And you just posted, or we're having one coming up soon. Uh, well, as we're taping this now, depending on when people listen to it, our next one is, is going to be in October, which is Germany focused, right? Oktoberfest. Right. Kind of related. I'm going to be going to a German inspired restaurant slash pub um, just to kind of immerse ourselves during the month of Oktoberfest try some German food, and then also meet other cultural explorers. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. And every month has been really interesting just going through different neighborhoods. And then, as you said, we never know who we meet, right? We, we always, at every one of these events, had different cultural explorers. That's a very good way of looking at it. Right. Thank, yeah, thank, thanks, Natalie. And like, like I said, you have so many different aspects of, of conversations here. So this is just part one of conversation with, with Natalie. And, um, and I think you are an American explorer slash world explorer, I would say, <laughs> since you're kind of put on many hats. So um, international explorer. So thanks for spending time and sharing um, that with the, the audience, Natalie. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay. Well, looking forward to talking to you again and enjoy the uh, rest of the exploration today. Yeah, <laughs> talk to you soon.